welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am not Tyler Smith. Tyler Smith is on assignment. I am David Bax, and joining me as guest co-host, a, uh, a Battleship Pretension uh, favorite, Terrence Johnson. A favorite? I love. Yeah, well, <laughs> I love that. I yeah. think. I mean, you've been on this is three times. Yes, yeah, third time. I think that puts you into the okay. uh, yeah the the regular slot. So, how are you doing, Terrence? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, all things considered, recovering from busy week and WonderCon, which I guess we're going to get into. Yeah, I, we are. I'm speaking of recovering. Like I, the week before, weekend before WonderCon, uh, the, for a few days before uh, in that weekend, my wife and I were in Mexico. Then I came back, went to work for a few days, which were long days because I was catching up. Yeah. Then WonderCon, and then I'm back and work. Like I haven't. I haven't like had time to like go to the grocery store. I've just been sort of like scavenging like since I got yeah. back from Mexico. Like I feel like I I've been back from Mexico like a week and a half, but I feel like I haven't actually gotten back into my life yet. Yeah, how was Mexico? Oh, it was, it was so great. I mean, we talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but um I would definitely recommend going to the uh city of Merida in the Yucatan. Uh Yeah, it, I'd love to go. It's fantastic. Yeah, it was a great time. Um so let's let me read and uh, pay some bills real quick, and then we'll bring on our uh, guest for the episode. So this episode is brought to you by Mubi, a curated online cinema that brings its members a hand-picked selection of the best independent, international, and classic films. Every day, Mubi's curators introduce a new title, and you have 30 days to watch it. That means there's always 30 wonderful films to enjoy all for only four ninety nine a month. Plus, when you use their mobile apps, you can download films to watch offline. Movie has just kicked off its epic 16-film series of Werner Herzog, starting with his documentary My Best Fiend, right? Um, which he made about noted lunatic Klaus Kinski. Sorry, there's a typo in my, in my copy here. Uh, noted lunatic Klaus Kinski. That's noted lunatic Klaus Kinski. And there's also a special offer for listeners of Battleship Retention. You can try Mubi free for a month. Just go to Mubi.com, that's M-U-B-I.com, slash Battleship to redeem now. And um, I also want to add that when, when, you, when you're watching your movies, if you have to watch, you know, watch them on the, on the laptop or, or tablet or phone or, or whatever, as you can do, you can download them and watch them online, uh, you'll need some earbuds. And I would recommend getting your earbuds from Tweaked Audio. That's, uh, they make uh, professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. And they look great and they sound great. And I literally use them every day of my life. Uh, TweakedAudio.com. They're available at a low, low price. But if you uh, put in the extra effort and use the offer code pretension at checkout, you'll get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So that's TweakedAudio.com. Offer code pretension. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So, Terrence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you enjoy all of my... Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't usually do both ads. I love the, the pretension is the, is the word that is the code word i think that that's hilarious. well i think our guest has something to say yeah so let me introduce him Werner herzog uh, i love the pretension code 
It's just when everything is so sad, I like to put on my headphones and movie number one. That's right. Our guest is Werner Herzog. No, of course not. From uh, from the Warner Archive, it's Matt Patterson. How are you? I, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm not known for my impressions, so I apologize, <laughs> but... I kept hearing both of those together, and I was imagining Werner being very excited about that code. <laughs> that was a good. I liked your Werner Herzog. Okay, well, yeah. well, thank, I, it's it's well done, but it, I I mean, well done meaning it is done by others very well, right? Yes, uh, but it's still I'm imagining him tuning out and being like, <laughs> oh. Movie is so good. Sixteen movies, but I have the headphones on. <laughs> Everything's a discount. Life is a discount. Okay, sorry. That's it. That's it. So this is your first time on the show, even though you and I have known each other for many years. Yes. At this point. Yes, that is true. Um, in fact, don't we more know each other through WonderCon than really anything and, else? And well, and Comic Con because Comic Con as well. We co-host. A meetup. Yeah, by, that's right. By co-host, I mean I organize it and you pay for it. Well, I <laughs> I am here as Matt Patterson today and not as an employee of right. Warner Brothers. Right. But, however, as part of my work duties, we have uh, collaborated to bring uh, fandom and restaurants together. <laughs> uh, and and uh, I have been able to bring some corporate assets to the table, and you have brought your organizational ability to the table, and that creates a wonderful partnership. And I hope we can do that again this year. I hope so, too. It's, it's, well, we're, we're, t- we're here to talk about WonderCon. Yeah, yeah, but cons yeah, but, are a con. But, but uh, I, I've said before, every year, we've, and we've done the meetup for something like God. six years, I yeah, think. Yeah, well, and, since 2012, I think. Uh, okay. 2012? So um, four, four years. Okay, yeah, yeah, maybe that's... that's. But we've done, like, six of them because there's one at, usually at WonderCon. Right, yeah. And one at um, Comic-Con. But usually, like, WonderCon being over is my signal. It's like, okay, time to start calling the bars in San Diego oh, yeah. and <laughs> organizing the meetup uh, for Comic-Con. WonderCon was a little early this year, though, which has confused my internal clock. It's almost like um, daylight savings time, <laughs> but, like, it's now con season is a month early. And right. so I'm like, oh, wait, I, I like TCM Festival, which is a favorite of mine as well. Yeah, uh, is I'll be it, attending for the first time this year. Actually. Are you going to are you going to come I, out? I, I got a press pass, so I'll be uh, I got a pass for the first time in years this year. And uh, I'm kind of excited because I've normally gone there to to work. Uh, but I've seen some really, really crazy stuff, especially at midnights. The midnight screenings okay. are where it's at. Um, I saw Phase Four one year. Oh yeah, starting I've at never midnight. Seen it, but I know. Uh, but when the ants were singing to me, I fell asleep <laughs> around phase two, but I woke up for phase four right at the end. And I was like, Oh my God, where am I? What's going? It was, it was, uh, it was quite something to behold. Terrence, have you been to the TCM classic film festival? Uh, I have not. I have a good friend who's going there this year. Okay. Uh, so we'll probably try and meet up, but no, I haven't been yet. You can go without a mm-hmm. pass like you can just buy yeah. single tickets yeah, which makes it, it kind of fun like just to get like you know if you just want to get a taste of it yeah and the people who are there and and this is coming back to what we're doing it is really like a mini comic-con for classic film classic fans film. yeah uh 
the people who are there who are classic film fans are so excited to be there. Today I was trying to get some people to come and do cosplay for it. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that be the best, right? Yeah. And they, I, I think that would be a great opportunity. Um, I was thinking that I could be Alan Jenkins from Shh, The Octopus. Okay. Um, which is a very obscure film. And, okay. And uh, he's a WB actor who is in a hell of a lot of movies, but in the background. Um, and he always looks like an old man even when he's young. And so I would probably just wear a suit and like a bald wig. And then in Sh- The Octopus, uh, that is a film that takes place in a lighthouse and they're attacked by a, a, a giant octopus. I don't know if you guys have seen that film. No, no I haven't, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, and it is really called Sh- The Octopus, which makes it much better to say on a podcast, especially when you can <laughs> pop a mic. Uh, so wait, if you're going to do cosplay at TCM, would, it, would you want people to stick to... This sort of genre stuff like that? No. Well, you're asking me because I would love if somebody came as like Buck Rogers, but 1977 Buck Rogers. I, I was thinking maybe I might find a way to dress up as the drowning kid from Lever to Heaven. Oh, <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the more obscure, the better, because you would most likely find people who would know, like just like Comic-Con, if right. you're like, you know, the more obscure, the better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but that would be fun. Uh, maybe I was just thinking I could go as Gene Harlow in a rain barrel. Okay. You you wouldn't you don't think I could pull that off, do you? Uh, no, I think you'd look great. <laughs> Thank I think you should give it a shot. Thank you. <laughs> I just want to give everybody a mental image. Um, this will actually get us into WonderCon a little bit, uh, so let's get into it, shall we? Uh, Terrence, you did dress up a little bit this I did. year. <laughs> Twice, yeah, I had two. Two different costumes. Two different costumes, yeah. So, uh, so the, I only saw you the first day. On the first day, and I you were was Finn. Finn, yes, from Star oh. Wars. Episode seven. Um, That's my, the Force Awakens. Yes, for everyone uh, keeping track. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought that was the Ewok special. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't they say there were no Ewoks in this trilogy at, at all? I guess you know at this point they might as well. Yeah. Um, so I was Finn the first day, and then I was a Slytherin student mm. on oh. Saturday. So I had the rope and the tie. But I wore shorts because it was too hot <laughs> downtown, and I was like, I can't fully commit to pants and like a scarf. Um, did, did you have the Slytherin tie? Yeah, I did. from uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Is that where you got that? Uh, or? No, I got it with the robe. Oh, okay. But I have okay. been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. I haven't. It is, I have. It is the, really cool. You guys been to the the new, the new one yeah. here or the yeah, Orlando the one here? Okay. I got I got to go for a WB employee day. Awesome. It's that, really awesome. Did you try the butter beer? I did try the butter beer. Um, it is magic, mm-hmm. but it is re- it's really just come on, you know, it's soda. Yeah. I mean, but with but, like added sugar, <laughs> yeah, with more sugar. Uh, I don't think I'd like I yeah, <laughs> is it carbonated? Yeah, yes. okay, yeah. Um, they do sell alcohol at Universal, yeah, which I think is um, an interesting proposition because. <laughs> One of the rides, the smaller roller coaster dragon mm-hmm. ride. I don't remember the official names yeah, of the rides. Yeah. Uh, but that one was, did you go on it? Yeah, I went on both. The one in the like, castle and then. Okay, but the one, one, the outside yeah, one the was outside. the one where I felt like I had three beers when I came off of it. <laughs> so I was imagining mixing that with three beers. And yeah. there there would definitely be some magic going on. Yeah. 
I uh, can see that. coming off of that. Like that just seems like a disaster. One day I'll I'll tell you the story about how I was removed from Camp Snoopy at the Mall of America. <laughs> they had one dollar Jello shots at the Fat Tuesday, and I tried explaining to the security guard that that wasn't my fault that they had such a good deal <laughs> next to a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, I have not been to either Wizarding World, but I do have a Ravenclaw tie. Mm. Okay, yeah, bought see it. for me by my co-host Tyler, who. Um, <laughs> He like texted me from Orlando. He was in uh, mm-hmm. uh, and he was like, "Have you taken the Pottermore like sorting <laughs> thing? What mm-hmm. house yeah. are you?" And I was like, "I have not done the Pottermore sorting thing because I'm so convinced I would be a Ravenclaw mm-hmm. that I would be yes. crushed if it sorted me anywhere else." Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm a Ravenclaw, and no one can tell me otherwise. I have uh, a whole Hufflepuff outfit because <laughs> oh. I de- I decided. <laughs> That I would be with the scholarship students at Hufflepuff because that's where like it's like, you know, like I always feel like those are the like if and I would want to see this movie. It's like you see everybody playing Quidditch. Right. And they're all like, yay, yay. And then like zoom down below the bleachers. That's where I would be with the other Hufflepuffs, like, <laughs> you know, like experimenting yeah. with mushrooms or whatever. Not not drugs. It's magic. Yeah. And like I would have just been allowed barely in. It's like the scholarship student. <laughs> and I'd just be like hanging out in the basement playing like video games. <laughs> yeah. It, the, the Pottermore quiz is actually pretty interesting because when I took it, I was like, I feel like I'll be in Slytherin, but I'm not going to answer. I'm not going to choose like the mm. evil answers to questions because mm-hmm. that's what everybody thinks Slytherins mm-hmm. are. And then I right. got to the end and they were like, no, you're Slytherin. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So at least I know it wasn't based on like <laughs> me being Voldemort at 2.0. <laughs> I cheated. How so? Which would get me, because I just, I just went uh, and then right. worked yeah. it backwards so that I would get Hufflepuff. Right, but that sounds like that makes you a Slytherin. Mm, yeah, cheating but, seems like a very Slytherin. I, I think, it was very <laughs> cunning of you to do but, that. Yeah, but, so that that is a Slytherin quality. But I think that Hufflepuff would have the most friends in Slytherin because they'd be like everybody else would be like they're evil and they're like they're not evil, <laughs> right? Yeah, question mark. Like who else would be friends with them? And then the, and then the Slytherin would like maybe would like take one or two Hufflepuff in and then like they make fun of them and stuff. Yeah, they would kind of take advantage of that friendship. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I can see that. All right, yeah. well we've gotten. Sorry. Well, I think <laughs> we're we've, in, we're we've gotten our nerd uh, engines uh, running. Uh, you mentioned it being hot in downtown Los Angeles. Let's yes. before we get into um, um, the the fun of WonderCon uh, itself. How did we feel about Los Angeles Convention Center uh, for Wonder? A lot of walking. I, I didn't particularly like WonderCon being up here, even though it was much closer yeah, it was. of a drive in terms of travel. It was very spread out. Um, mm-hmm. So, which I thought they could have avoided in, in many ways. Like, just moving, they had, like, the registration was on one side, and then, like, rooms were in the middle, and then the exhibit hall was sort of at the end, and they could have just pushed, like, everything to one end or another instead of sp- having it spread out. Um and then they always find a way to put a really big TV panel in a room that's too small to fit. Well, it. that's a big thing uh, to compare it to to Comic Con and even to WonderCon Anaheim. Yeah. Like Comic Con has Hall H, WonderCon Anaheim has the arena, and this has the Microsoft Theater. Yes, but both Comic Con and Anaheim have a, a room that's another step down. Like they, yep. you've got Ballroom yeah. Twenty and Indigo Ballroom mm-hmm. and Comic Con, and you've got 
the uh, a couple of rooms that seat more I think two thousand or more in um in at Anaheim. Yeah. And here you had basically a huge jump from the Microsoft Theater, which is the huge thing, which was never full when yeah. I was in there. Which I kind to of like liked. a one thousand seat yeah. room. Uh I liked how big the Microsoft Theater was because I never felt stressed after the first did, time trying to get in. What did you go in. see there? Well, I, well we're not getting to that. Oh, yes. oh sorry, 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 well, sorry. I saw a, a couple of things <laughs> yeah. there. <laughs> But I was like, oh, like this would be a nice place for like a Comic Con if they had their own like Microsoft Theater because it was so big yeah. that you never had to worry about yeah. a seat. Um, but it is a problem that the Microsoft Theater is run separately from the yes. Convention Center, yep. and therefore there were sort of different rules. Yeah, yep. And they made you walk. It's not even that it's you know on the other side of the street. Like it's already a bit of a walk, but then you had to walk to get in all the way to the end of the. Uh, stanchions or whatever yeah. and when you exit you have to go the other way so you have to walk all the way around to get back to the convention center LA didn't really know what to do with the nerds <laughs> like you could tell <laughs> that they had like rock events or like mm-hmm. you know maybe a travel show or maybe even like the closest thing would be like E3 or uh-huh. something Yeah, but the security guard you know because I had to deal with backstage security and stuff they they just they, they didn't they didn't know how the organization, and this is the same organization that runs regular Comic Con. It just, it didn't. I mean, it was the, uh, year one, but it just, uh, it didn't feel the same. From uh, my personal taste standpoint, I don't like going to Hall H because it's sort of big, and I always feel that that kind of news. I mean, I've I've seen some wonderful Hall H yeah. and, and some wonderful like Ballroom Twenty type events but i kind of like the thousand seat rooms because i'm exposed to like i don't know maybe stuff i wouldn't normally Mm -hmm. be exposed to and so outside of my own panels which i was on four of them in the thousand seat room but besides that i (laughs) I saw a bunch and i actually kind of like i like these la thousand seat room panels better than the ones that i'd seen at uh, anaheim Hmm. but that Hmm. was to me, kind of the best thing about being in L.A. was, I don't know, I just had fun in those thousand-seat rooms. Uh, But everything else, what I love most about Anaheim is that it's like, it's like 50 minutes away from where I live, so it's just like far enough that it's like out of town. (laughs) And (laughs) so I stay in a hotel, but the hotel's like $100 a night. You know, like it's like, it costs me... But it doesn't cost like it's not comical, yeah. and then like and so and then other people like stay so like you know like David we would have like a party at Wonder, but here it was just like eight o'clock. All right, time to go home. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, so yeah. it was a commuter convention, which is kind of a bummer because um, you and I now we're talking about this at, at WonderCon. How much uh, I've lived in Los Angeles a little like about ten and a half years, and how much that area has changed. Mm-hmm. There's. Even though it was a commuter con, as you're saying, people were going home, there's a ton to do, actually. There's so many mm-hmm. restaurants and, and bars. It's expensive. Uh, right? It is expensive. But, <laughs> but, uh, but you, there, it, it is a fun place to hang out. But, like, the convention diffuses into the Lakers game. Oh, yeah. So Lakers game like, Friday, Kings yeah. game Saturday, yeah. Yeah, and then there, was, then there was even a Clippers game Saturday morning, like, oh, was like 11 a.m., yeah, because the, the cosplay kept changing. <laughs> I was like, look at all this purple and gold, yeah. <laughs> just like Hufflepuff. Well, let's, uh, let's get into the, into the programming, and I guess we'll just go um, chronologically um, and just start with, with uh, Friday. I'll, I'll uh, 
mentioned this is not going to be of much interest because this is a movie podcast. But the first panel that I went to was a spotlight on Umberto Ramos, who is a uh, comic book artist um, who's currently uh, drawing Extraordinary X-Men, but drew uh, Amazing Spider-Man for uh, a while before that in Superior Spider-Man. And I like I like that stuff. I do. I do feel like. I have this. I, I don't want to keep comparing WonderCon to Comic Con, but it's hard, it's hard not to. <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah, it, I have this dream that maybe I'll do this year at San Diego of doing just to prove that you can an all comic book. Comics only. And I feel you like you can do that at San Diego. I think that'd be a bit tougher at WonderCon. I, I, it's funny you mentioned that because I think like. Ninety percent of the other panels I went to were comics. Really? Yeah, comics panels, and I think that's kind of why I like them because comics is not my—I mean, like it's not my work, right? <laughs> right. right. So yeah. I'm like, hey, comics, this is like fun, and then you know, and I'm and I'm judging it like like <laughs> I'm like just every other nerd, you know? Yeah. But uh, because. For WonderCon, right? Like, a, like just like even like DC, like a DC panel is like a big deal at WonderCon. I mean, it's still a big deal at Comic Con. Yeah, but it was. It's like that. Rather, that's like the A event rather than the movie panels. Like at you know at at Comic Con, it's like the big money media stuff is pushed to the top. Hmm. Uh, and in this, like, you know, what were the biggest? Movies that were being pushed at this. I, th- I mean, exactly. Teenage Mutant Ninja Teenage Turtles. Turtles, I think, which we'll get and, to. Yeah, and then the Friday. Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did you go? Did you go see that one? I'm just skipping ahead. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Did you yeah. see that? One? Okay. Were, 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 you, were you at that panel? But that was I Saturday, was not, right? That was, oh, Saturday. I thought that was Friday. Um, uh, I forget what day it is. And I, I also went to the. There's a thing that uh, they do every year now at WonderCon and at Comic Con, which is the geek movies of whatever year, 30 years before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which they started with 1982 because in 1982 there were a lot of big geek movies, and now they've done it, and so now they're t- it's 1986 they're talking about, and they're like, you know, like nine and a half weeks isn't exactly like a ah. uh, WonderCon-type <laughs> movie, but they're talking about it. They're talking about Top Gun. It's become it's kind of a fun panel. Okay. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking for serious movie discussion, well, first off, a convention, a comic book convention is not the place you want to go yeah. for that. But it is uh, hey, it's a it, fun it time. It depends on the movie, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, what did you guys do on Friday? On Friday, I saw a bunch of TV stuff. Yeah? Um, well, we'll save that. Yeah, for... we'll save that. <laughs> um, yeah, TV stuff. I did a little bit of the exhibit hall. Me too. Yeah. And I was like, to talk about the differences between sort of Anaheim and this one, this one felt like really, really spread out. Yeah. And maybe it's just because like a lot of the big heavy hitters weren't there, which surprised me because I thought that, you know, being in LA that like everybody, all of the major studios would try and do, you know, at least a mini version of a Comic-Con, Comic-Con thing. Um, but they did not. No. So it was a quick. <laughs> I still ended up buying like three things because I have no self control. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's pretty much a lot of TV. Um, a lot of waiting in line for which, the TV panels. Yeah, which Comic Con I expected. WonderCon, I'm like, you know, the line will be manageable. It won't be too bad. But sorry. Uh, but like, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of waiting. In line in TV. Uh, what did you What did you pick up on the exhibit floor? What'd you buy? Uh, I bought a Daredevil Funko. Okay. And 
Finn Funko since I was dressed as Finn. Oh, and I took a lot of pictures with people because everybody was dressed up as Star Wars and like everybody was like, oh, I want to, can you take a picture with my kid? Which I thought was really cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think the cosplay at WonderCon, wherever it is, I really like it because yeah. it's sort of concentrated and they, I feel like the percentage of people who are dressed up is much higher yeah. than San Diego. I mean, San Diego probably has more people doing it, but just they're not, like, I like when everybody's sort of packed and it's sort of like uh, a parade or something, you know, like, yeah. like and in this case, it was in that atrium area. Mm-hmm. Like That's really nice, too. Yeah, that, which that, I, love, it has I loved it. Indoor, because Anaheim also has the steps out front uh-huh. that's a good gathering place. Which I like. To have an indoor, but well-lit, like, natural light yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cosplayer, that's perfect for, like, not getting too hot in your costume, and yes. also it's good for pictures. <laughs> Everything about that was great. I went, like, I I called it, like, duck hunting because (laughs) I would just sort of, like, perch. And I'd be, like, waiting for people to come. I'd be like, there's a picture. And there were lots of great costumes. It was Mm -hmm. a lot of, I... I like that uh, where, where, whenever it is or whatever convention, but it's just WonderCon. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and I don't feel like at Comic-Con that I'm like maybe missing something really mm-hmm. big. or you know, like I can just like sit and relax and just look at people's dopey costumes and wonderful costumes, like just all kinds. Um, what else did you did you go and hit any uh, any any panels uh, on Friday, Matt? Friday, I went to uh, the DC All Access panel, which was interesting. Uh, I just kind of wanted to see how they threw that together because uh, DC All Access is it's an interesting concept that DC has been doing, where it's like they're sort of. DC lifestyle blog and it's like hey I like (laughs) comics I like TV I like movies and they're very enthusiastic and I'm uh, from a uh, work perspective a a little jealous that they have like a whole like like that for like movie loving like old movies you know because I think like I mean, we we have a podcast and we have newsletters and stuff but we have a really small staff and a very tiny budget so I just kind of like to compare myself and be like, hey, at least I put my uh, panel video up at 16 by 9 and not 4 by 3. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and then after that, they had, and again, this is sort of TV and comics, but they, they are introducing a new line of comics based around the Hanna-Barbera properties. Oh. And I really, really wanted to see what that was going to look like. A, I'm a Hanna-Barbera fan and a comics fan and like, and they're doing one, now this brings it back to movies, which is wacky races, but in a post-apocalyptic Mad Max-like <laughs> world. Okay. Uh, and I was like, how are they going to do that? Uh, but it looked, it was, and they were like, uh, this one's a little weird. And I'm like, okay, that, <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, so as a Hanna-Barbera and a Mad Max fan, uh, I will certainly be checking that out. Um, now I went to the Rotten Tomatoes, your opinion sucks panel. And I think you were there too, right, Terrence? I think I got in just at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Who was this? Was there a special guest or was it just the, um, the Rotten Tomatoes team? Well, I can tell you that I was only really there because I wanted to guarantee that I was in the room for the next panel <laughs> right. and that I may, <laughs> might have it. kind of like dozed off a little bit yeah. while waiting for the next panel. Um, so I can't entirely tell you, but what I saw was kind of fun. Rotten and Tomatoes is no longer part of Warner Brothers. Is that true? Yes. Uh, they, well, the, we, uh, they went over to Fandango, and Fandango is now 
Warner Brothers has a minority interest in it, but they have a. Uh, they were part of digital when I was part of digital. They have a very interesting operation over there. Like, uh-huh. uh, and they have a lot of uh, editorial integrity. But this the, this panel is a big deal for them, and they do it like at every festival. And and the people who are Rotten Tomatoes fans, uh, they really really like it. And I've seen some good guests and stuff. But uh, if you are like yourselves. Uh, more uh, advanced thinkers of films. <laughs> uh, it, it's because it, the panel is always called Your Opinion Sucks. Yeah. Right, and right. Uh, it's sort of fun to watch what people's opinions are. Yeah. yeah did they move from Warner Brothers because of the Batman versus Superman reviews? <laughs> <laughs> they, it was uh, a longstanding deal to align with Fandango. Gotcha. Uh, um, which is more of a general. Yeah. Uh, brand, but this is kind of what I was talking about with the geek movies in 1986 thing. Like you're not, you're not going to get people giving dissertations on these movies. Right. It's, it's a very reductive sort of, uh, you know, thumbs up or thumbs down type of approach, and you can have fun with that. It's as yes, long as, yes, as long as it is, as long as you're in the con mentality and ready to have fun, well, it's it, a good time. It's yes. fun to see the people come up and like because they're like, well, why do you think this? And so it's like. It's almost like review karaoke, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and so when I view it like that, it's kind of fun because it's like, you know, it's like an, it's an, and I, I don't know if they describe it this way, but it's like an internet comment board come to life. Yeah. I think but they would. more fun than they, that sounds actually. They hand, out, they hand it out like paddles. Oh, yeah. Uh, here, yeah, the pa- get... Oh, you got one of the paddles? Yeah. See, <laughs> but but what I, what I admire about this panel is it's very uh, it's a very portable idea, and they can repeat it like yeah. uh, ad infinitum. And the and the people who are uh, fans of it like they come every time you know and they all know. I don't know if you notice this, but everybody who goes yeah you got it. It's rotten on one side, rotten on one side, fresh on the other, fresh on the other. Uh, when one year at Comic Con we we had uh, Leonard Malton. Uh huh. And uh, Leonard Malton, Leonard Malton loves the Rotten Tomatoes panel. <laughs> he like he just lights up. So if he's uh, if he's a guest on that, that's kind of fun to watch. Okay. Um, was there anything else for Friday? Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess we can move on. Our, our yeah. other guest or our guest host is, uh, has stepped away from the mic for a minute here. Friday Friday again was uh, fun for me because uh, that was my day off. Right, you were working... I, well, I worked after. Uh, <laughs> I had to put stuff after, but I, I didn't have any panels or anything to do, so I got to attend the con, and I, 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 just, I just loves it. Well, moving on, speaking of uh, your working, moving on to Saturday, uh, you uh, were working first thing Saturday morning, um, right? We, yes, uh, at 10 a.m. sharp. We we had a uh, salute of a retirement party for Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet, and it is uh, the 60th anniversary of that fine science fiction classic. And we were able to get uh, the director Joe Dante out there and Fred Barton, who uh, makes uh, replica robots for museums and stuff. And we have one of his robots in our office, and so that was kind of gave the uh, gem uh, the the nugget of the idea and what's cool is that you can speak through it 
And so I've hooked my iPhone up to it and wait for people to come by. And then from my from like the landline, I'm like, Robbie is judging you. And then people <laughs> are like, how'd you do that? Uh, so we had Robbie give a retirement speech. And we had uh, video clips. I mean, Forbidden Planet, if, uh, if you're interested in science fiction and you haven't seen it, uh, it's such a fun one to revisit because it has everything... Uh, that science fiction has become like this is like the first time you see it because it's about it's like the first time that we are the aliens going to another world. It's right. like it's kind of like I mean when you watch it, frankly, it's a lot like Star Trek because uh, yeah. it's like a military police and they're going and they're like checking in on a colony and this guy has been there for a long time by himself. He's like, please don't land on this planet, hence <laughs> forbidden. Yes, and he has this alien technology and he's built this awesome robot and. The Tempest from Shakespeare happens. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a lot of fun. And Joe Dante is a fantastic guest. He is very well spoken about like the history of films. And so where you were saying uh there are no dissertations. We certainly put on a um an uncredited college course uh work <laughs> on the film and the history of Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet and his slide down to Charmin commercials. <laughs> yeah, that's Warner Archive might be the exception to to what I was saying before, because well, we'll get to Sunday when we get to Sunday, but maybe the 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 Hong Kong movies of the nineties was maybe my favorite panel that I saw. Oh, thank you. Uh, the whole the whole convention, but we'll let's stick okay, a pin yeah. in that. Um, that was ten a.m., folks. If you're keeping track, Oof. yeah, ten a.m. Saturday morning. Um, there was a big crowd by eleven, like you know, because people are getting yeah. their badges and stuff. Saturday was the big day. I, yeah, I, I did find that having like not being at a hotel next door. I didn't get to the convention as early as I do for WonderCon. Oh, yeah. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but Saturday was the first day of big um, movie stuff in the Microsoft Theater, in the big yes. room. I was only there for, I was there for a little bit of it, actually. Um, starting with the uh, new line Warner Brothers picture presents double uh, commercial, essentially. Yes. Um, were you in there for that? I was. So the, uh, it was The Conjuring and Lights Out. The yes. Conjuring 2 and Lights Out. Uh, I, I think James Wan, this is like, these are his people. And like, yeah. <laughs> this is his favorite convention. Um, because how, look, how is the crowd there? Uh, it's different not being in like an arena, an arena like in, in Anaheim. But I mean, the crowd was still... You know, geek to see him. Yeah, because yeah. you guys just said this, and I go, oh, I didn't even know that was going on because it's like the Staples Center is between the. I just never <laughs> walked over to yeah. it. Yeah, because I mean, it, it was. I, I James Wan always puts on a good panel. Oh, that's great. He always has some really really scary footage. Yeah, but they didn't really. I mean, we all we saw were a couple of trailers. A yeah. trailer. Tra- tra- I mean, there are trailers. There already were trailers for The Conjuring too. I think we saw a new one. Yes. Right. And then I think we saw the first trailer for Lights mm-hmm. Out. And that's it. I kind of wanted, like, even when yeah. a few years ago when James Wan brought the first The Conjuring to WonderCon, yeah. he showed a clip, you know? Yeah, I definitely wanted more. Yeah. And I was hoping that the cast of The Conjuring would be with him. Uh, yeah. Which they were not. <laughs> oh, it's too bad. Uh, um, but the cast of Lights, I mean, it was fun hearing Maria Bello basically maybe sort of partially giving away a key point in the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much of that was a spoiler. So I yeah, don't know I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is... The, I make this point every time I talk about Comic-Con and, and, and WonderCon 2 with the movie panels, and it's why I don't go to as many of them as I used to. You used to be able... You used, 
used to see scenes. They would show you right. a scene in advance. Yeah. Now they're cutting together a special trailer or an extended trailer or whatever. Yeah. And it's like it's no different than watching when it when it shows up on online an hour later. It's no different. You're not seeing anything special. Like I remember. Um, uh, as recently as the first Conjuring, first off, he brought Lorraine Warren, the actual yeah. Lorraine Warren that year, um, who I don't know if you know, Matt, that the, the Conjuring movies are based on the journals or memoirs of Ed and Lorraine Warren, who were a married uh, American uh, ghost hunting uh-huh. tag team. They're the people who uh, showed up at the Amityville house who did mm-hmm. that. Um, and it seems like, I guess, for... I guess Warner Brothers has the rights to their... Life, Story, their stories right. minus Amityville. I think it's clear yeah. that right. like <laughs> someone else, because there's a book of Amityville, someone else has those rights. Those rights, so they're doing all the not Amityville ones. That's well. When I was a kid, Amityville Horror was a big, big movie that yeah. I was not allowed to see. Yeah. <laughs> and then what, when you finally saw it, were you a bit let down because it's not actually that great? Yeah. Was, you know, like it was a cable classic. Yeah. Right? It's and we didn't have cable, so it made, like, in my life, there's, like, this certain cache of, like, 80s movies, which I, was ne- I wasn't allowed to see, or I had to, like, sneak in, yeah. and so they're, like, super special, or I had to arrange for sleepovers at, like, a certain <laughs> time, and uh, that's one of them, and so just the fact that when I finally got to see it, I, I was, like, so proud of myself for not being 16, and uh-huh. seeing it yeah. that uh but yeah it wasn't it wasn't nearly as freaky but also when this is totally uh, cuz as you're saying like I love when they would show you you know like reward you by going to a trailer by showing you something yeah. uh that nobody else could see and work in progress but the internet and people they're so worried about people filming now yeah that like they the marketing is a little more towards the people who are not at the convention, rather than build up the word of mouth from the people at the convention, it's like, hey, you weren't at the convention, but two hours ago, people saw this, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. It it kind of takes away from that specialness, but at the same time, everybody's like, so, you know, there's there's a balance that needs to be struck, and, uh, but special things, special footage, that, that, rewards the people who are going out there and like waiting in line yeah yeah you know like because that's yeah. having to go through metal detectors i remember yeah. things yeah yeah the example <laughs> i was using well, i guess uh, back in 2010 now six years ago in san diego steven soderbergh brought haywire Ooh. and showed the entire gina carano michael fassbender fight scene like that entire yeah, hand to cool. scene like that's wow. what he showed yeah. and that's so awesome it got me so excited for the movie right it's something to talk about it's something that only i had seen then for months but, until it came out. With yeah. You're going to be the source of, of like word of mouth. You yeah. Know, word of mouth is actually still valuable. You know, like with me, with like, let's say as a kid with Amityville horror, I would hear the entire movie, but told through the mind of like an, like a seven year old, uh-huh. you know what I mean? So when you finally see it, like I had a mental image in my head with no pictures or like <laughs> a- anything that I had, but I knew the plot. But that's okay because it was still exciting, you know. So it's like if you des- are describing, like if you don't have that footage, you're like, then there's this fight, and it's like it's like haywire, yeah, right. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's kind of valuable, but it. But again, now with phones, everybody's got a camera. Everybody has a you know. Everybody has a publishing machine. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. Well, I find that really interesting because he. They asked him on James Wan on that panel, sort of like, why? What was what? How was your film so successful? The first one, and he was like, oh, we connected to the characters, and I think part of it was because of the buzz out of WonderCon because we saw that scene with like that his incredible sort of camera movement where we like take the POV of the main girl and we like rotate under the bed and it's like this it was this really scary atmospheric scene and a lot of people got really excited for the movie from that um, and then it premiered at LA Film Festival and, right. and sort of got the ball rolling so I do think that like one, all the various cons are really good for that but yeah I was kind of bummed out I was shocked that we didn't get to see the lights out short that he made. I guess they're assuming people have seen yeah. it. I actually have never watched it, but uh, are you going to watch it now? I, I do plan to watch it because the uh, that trailer was pretty good, um, and I like I'm a, I'm a huge Maria Bello fan, so I liked uh, that she was there, um, and I also love this director who is a guy who he and his wife just like made these movies at home. Yeah, and so now he's <laughs> I've never right? seen a director. <laughs> not, he didn't have to fake his lack of pretension. Right. Like, you know, like normally these panels, the director has to like pretend to be like, Oh, I love the fans. I'm a nerd like you guys or whatever. He really was just, he was kind of almost as like awestruck by the convention as as anyone else was. And that's why you bring people out like that because, uh, when you're alive, even if it's like a giant room and it's on a, even if it's on a video screen, you, you do, you can connect to the creators and that's what's, I mean, that's the, special reason even go out you know like to a ballroom 20 or or a hall h you know like because when the audience connection works it it really works because a lot of these people don't they don't get in front of crowds right when, when are you going to get in front of a crowd of like a few thousand people yeah. as a yeah. as a filmmaker like in an arena of people excited for you to be there that's a very rare opportunity yeah yeah i love that he f- deferred a lot to his wife <laughs> yeah <laughs> on the panel that was pretty great because she's in the movie as well yeah she's in the I always find that whenever in most trailers especially horror trailers like whatever's at the very beginning is the best part because <laughs> it's before you've gotten any sense of the story yeah. it's usually a longer clip than what that makes up the rest of the trailer and it actually is creepy and so the lights out trailer starts with a woman who works apparently it looks like a garment factory or something yeah, like that so. and she's like closing up for the night and she turns off the light and when she turns off the light she sees a figure standing in the doorway uh, that's great and then when she turns on the light again it's not there and she yeah. turns off it's very creepy right but so simple but yeah. you guys just convinced me to check it out yeah yeah um what else did you guys do on saturday in the afternoon um i, I saw like i think i did another tv panel but saturday was a day where I got to see one of my favorite authors, favorite new authors. Uh-huh. She did like an hour long. Her name is V. E. Schwab. Uh, she did like an hour long conversation, of which like twenty minutes was sort of her talking with the guy in the last forty were for audience questions. Um, and that's what I really like about WonderCon: um, the smaller panels where you can get really sort of up yeah. close and personal with people. We were in like this gigantic room. It was like thirty of us in the crowd in a room <laughs> that seats like five hundred people. Uh, but yeah, that was really great. So I took I took some time on Saturday to do stuff like that. What about you? Uh, I got to see the uh, documentary for uh, Iron Giant. Oh, well, let's put a pin in that because I want to say that's actually something I like about WonderCon um, is what I'm about to say 
you actually get to watch a movie sometimes, including I watched before I watched the uh, giant stream. I watched uh-huh. the new um, DC animated movie um, Justice League versus Teen Titans. Oh, yeah, you saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you watch any? Have you seen any of those DC animated? Oh, yes, movies? I do. I, I haven't gotten to see this one yet, um, but um, these are a big deal at the workplace. OK. Uh, and I uh, the people who put these together, you know, like. Uh, my, I, I actually, I just think they're uh, sort of a hidden gem uh-huh. uh, because they're direct, they're solely direct to video releases, yeah, marketed towards fans, and I think, you know, and they're they're all they all are made for fans, and they, you know, some are better than others, uh, but some of them are so good. I wish that people who weren't like DC fans got a chance. I like some of these movies are like almost like theatrical quality to me yeah. and I'm always like and I've only knew that they were out uh, Dan who my co-worker who's also on the Warner Archive podcast makes fun of me because I'm like I never knew these things existed until I came here and like you know like hey watch this and I'm like whoa because <laughs> you just I just never really heard about them yeah yeah um I've yeah I first started hearing about them going to conventions and things right, like this they yeah. show them at conventions yeah um what, and, and a good audience for them yeah yes because you get you got stuff like you know um the the culture at large is a lot of people like to say that they're nerds now and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be with the nerd pleats and say someone is or isn't a nerd right, right, right. Okay. but you know people react well to you know uh batman superman wolverine deadpool is now joined to this uh this crowd but like this is the crowd that goes nuts when blue beetle right. and starfire yeah, yeah, show yeah. up <laughs> like, yeah they're like Woo! yeah um, they're like great uh yeah uh that's who it's for yes um but it's it's also it's like it it it, it those these walk a line between being like they're not not for kids, but they're also a little bit more grown. Like the action is a little bit more violent than uh, oh, yeah. you'd expect. It's like some some of them are like a hard PG thirteen, uh-huh. and but it's because uh, the aim is for uh, you know an adult fan or, or or a teenager. I mean that's that's who it's that's who it's for. That's what they're going after. You know, but that's also why they have a whole other line of stuff like Teen Titans Go. Or uh, you can even go younger with, like, DC, the new one with the girl superheroes. You know, it's like uh, the one, kind of one of the things that I like about the DC universe is that the characters and the situations are so malleable. Like, you can take, right, Robin, the character of Robin, and have him be, like, a ridiculous comedic character in Teen Titans Go, and then you could have, like, Son of Batman, right. which they showed last year, I think, at WonderCon. Um, or I think last year Comic-Con. was Batman versus Robin. Batman versus Robin, okay. Son of Batman was before that. Yeah, and this yeah. is, the Robin in Justice League versus Teen Titans is that same, the uh, right. Damian Wayne. Yeah. And it is, that's a the other thing, these, these have a continuity. They have a continuity, yeah. but that's a very different Robin, but yeah. it's still recognizably Robin. Yeah, yeah. That's a, but I, I like that you can have multiple kinds of Batmans, Robins, and Supermans all existing at the same time. And although there are some fans who are like, Batman isn't silly, like Batman Brave and the Bold is not the same as Batman who's the Dark Knight or, or right. you know, but... Right. But I, th- I just, I like that. 
Yeah. Uh, but again, what did, what did you think of it? I mean, I've heard this was fun. No, this was, this one was fun. I think um, my experience with these is limited. I do think they're um, they tend to be pretty short, and they also yep. tend to be pretty action heavy. Yeah. So plot and character wise, they cram a lot into little like you know there'll be a scene that's like okay, this is the scene where we're going to get all the character stuff and plot stuff, and then there's going to be another ten minute fight. Right. Um, and if you, <laughs> I think if you get the rhythm right, that that actually works, and and I and I like that, and I also like speaking of it being for a more maybe advanced level of of nerd they're not afraid to sideline batman for basically the whole back half of the movie he's not yeah. in it like the no, whole second know. half of the movie and because they they know that the fans the people who were watching this are going to be perfectly fine with uh seeing more of cyborg than than batman i think they're trying to get more people familiar with some of the other sort of jail uh characters like cyborg because they're planning on a cyborg movie. I don't know how, you know, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I want to hear your thoughts on a on cyborg. I I would so much rather Martian Manhunter okay. be in the Justice League than him. But, yeah, th- they are trying to. But, see, what's good, though, is that you have the proper reaction of, oh, I wish this other guy. Because, yeah, yeah but what's good is that there are, uh, so many people have worked on these characters over time mm-hmm. that you have, a favorite who's not Batman, you know what I yeah. mean? Or like, like the, these, these other characters are so rich that they can be uh, put in and out. And, and, but until, you know, it's sort of the l- audience at large, Cyborg's never really been in a big movie. Yeah. Uh, Steel has, but uh, most <laughs> people have forgotten that one available on Warner archive. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, it, it's but it's just interesting that uh, you know they uh, and, and Marvel's kind of doing the same thing, like yeah. reaching into their library and pulling it out. Deadpool, uh, which I saw recently, I, I loved it. I didn't see the movie. Um, I I loved it because it. Yeah. it was uh, tonally different. It just showed that you don't have to have a a big superhero movie yet. You can use one of the characters. I mean, this is what. DC Animation is also doing. It's like, it's sort of these whirls and the eddies in the side. Can we, this is something I've talked about on Battleship Retention before. Do you think we'll get to a point where there are, where people accept superhero movies so much that we can have superhero movies that aren't really action movies? Like, can we have superhero dramas or superhero, like, teen romances? Like, like the comic books have. Well, I, that's, you know, if Young Justice ever gets turned into... <laughs> Um, a movie series, which it should. That's why I'm very interested to hear about the the Teen Titans because I'm very familiar with Young Justice, but not so much the Teen Titans sort of saga. And I like that they're able to mix them. But yeah, you could do that. But most, I mean, that happens on TV more. So, but I think eventually they'll get to a point where you could have like a superhero drama. It just can't be with like, like if you're going to like a Batman movie, they're going to want him to fight. Right, know? right. Uh, although not kill people, apparently. Um <laughs> <laughs> I I love the uh I mean everybody loves a good fight. But I love when they stretch it and not fight or choose not to fight. These are very powerful people with colorful personalities. And so you put a few of them in a room and uh you can give them any problem and they will come at it in a way that's uh, you know, if you can do it unique to the character, it's fun, like a comedy, a romantic comedy with superheroes. Yeah. What do you do? You know, like, yeah, that'd then, be fun. Right? Because it's like, because then again, like, you know, uh, 
great power, <laughs> with great power comes great responsibility. So do you uh, spy on the the woman you're trying to get by seeing <laughs> through the wall, right? Yeah. Like, is that going over the line? Well, I mean, we've already got, uh, you know, source material in the X-Men because I think mm-hmm. about 70% of all X-Men comedy or comic books are turgid chamber dramas about characters yeah. resenting right. one another yeah. and getting into arguments. Yeah, like, I love that. Yeah. Uh, it's but almost to a point sometimes uh but and i've i've said this before sometimes and and nobody can process that i really like this sometimes i love the non-musical parts of musicals uh-huh. <laughs> like people are like wait, wait why are you watching the musical uh well they're just singing now i'm not really interested in that part but i love when they don't sing um I know that makes it odd, but I really like that tension because you know that they all want to sing and they got to get to that point. And it's like, but it's okay. more comic booky Th- tangent. Okay. Yeah, but something. Sorry. This is a. This is a. No, I'm going to go on a further tangent. I'm <laughs> oh, saying because this is something I've uh, discussed with a, a friend of mine. Um, musicals like Once or Cabaret, mm-hmm. where all of the singing is explainable within the world do Di- you thi- diegetic versus non-diegetic right, music right. do you think of those as musicals in the same way you would whatever a hard and fast rule when it comes to musicals at least one number has to be set outside of a performative setting so something like once can work um cabaret works because you get tomorrow belongs to me um in okay. the field uh, something like Dream Girls, where she's like, and I'm telling you, I'm not going. Like, even though it's on a stage, like it's outside of like okay. a performance. But if it's just all numbers on a stage, then okay, I wouldn't consider it a musical. So like, okay, I, I, Jersey I, Boys is a drama oh, with music. I think of them all. Uh, if they have songs in them, they're yeah. musical. I'm not that hard and fast, but um, that cabaret number still, it's not outside of reality. Yeah. It still it's is yeah, it's like it's actually world. happening in the reality mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, anyway, uh, Cabaret is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> by the way, uh, is it better than The Godfather? Would you give it Best Picture over The Godfather? Uh, I would personally. Yeah, okay. I, I yeah, prefer Cabaret to The Godfather. Um, I mean, barely, but yeah, I would as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you, like handed me two Blu-rays, so what do you want to watch today? The Godfather or Cabaret? I'm going to say six days out of the week, I'm going to pick Cabaret. Cool. All right. Um, anything else in the <laughs> afternoon, or should we get into the Iron Giant thing? Did you uh, see anything else? Uh, no, although I'm dying to hear about Iron Giant because I just couldn't make that one. Just very quickly, right before Iron Giant was a wonderful uh, cartoon voices panel. Okay, those uh, are always fun. And it was great, and they do this, uh, they do like a little script, and they all kind of improv off of it. Super entertaining. Uh, I recommend that if anybody ever goes to convention. Because... Uh, Voice actors, and this kind of gets into it, uh, comic book conventions are one of the few places where you can see and people celebrate voice actors. Right. They're very, uh, they're a very talented group of people, uh, and uh, they're just really in their element here, and they get to show off, and people love it. And it's a theater of the mind, and, and that makes, it, <laughs> yeah. that makes yeah. it a lot of fun. And so that, and that was right before Iron Giant, one of... 1999's finest moments in animation. <laughs> One of? Uh, I it, well, I, I think it's probably mm, well. It, it, I, What's it up against there? Toy no, Story Tar- Two, Tarzan. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, in real life, and like everything. In, no, the in 90s? terms of animated movies of 1999, Tarzan, Toy oh, Story no, Two. It's, 
It's the best. Uh, it's it was Toy Story two nineteen ninety nine. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, I, still, I still think Iron Giant. One. Yeah, I, I, I mean, but I, I I mean Toy Story two is really good, but uh, Iron Giant is one that I will come back to. Me too. Me too. And it does. It did feel like now. I feel like the Iron Giant has found its, or increasingly is finding its place. But yes. for a time there, because as this documentary, The Giant's Dream, gets into, it was such a disaster uh, from a box office standpoint. It felt like a gem that I discovered. Like the fact that I mm-hmm. saw it and then bought like the DVD when it came out, like was something that I was like eager to show to people and i guess there's been enough people like me that it's found uh, found its audience yeah i mean I, I have a hilarious story about the iron giant because when i saw it it was playing right next to a theater that was showing the blair witch project <laughs> and, and so young there's a mashup. young me walked you know went to the bathroom and came back and actually walked into the middle of the blair witch project <laughs> and i was like oh these theaters aren't similar because it was one of those marquees where it was like right in the middle right of and it had both times on it but yeah no i'm glad that that movie, even though I think Toy Story 2 is better, uh, <laughs> glad that a movie like that is sort of having a revival, um, probably due to the success of Brad Bird, you know, live action wise. Right. Uh, but it's great to see that. Uh, so this documentary, they showed the the full thing. It's about an hour, just under an hour, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, it's called The Giant Stream. And it is, I guess, in the broadest sense of the term, it's a making of documentary. But it's it, it starts, it goes all the way back to Brad Bird's childhood. And mm-hmm. the first... I'd say close to the uh, maybe the first twenty minutes are not really about the Iron Giant. They're about Brad Bird and his uh, history of animation and his career history up until he started the Iron Giant. It uh, and this is just the uh, the kind of rough cut of it. You know, it was completed like literally the night before. So I don't know if the version we saw is going to be the one that everybody else will see. So that's a special convention moment as we were yes, talking yeah, about. That's true and. Uh, I okay, and this is going to be. Uh, it's been announced so far to be uh, an extra on like the Ultimate Collection Blu-ray, which will be out in September. So they yeah, they still have some time, I think. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so you know, I'm kind of coming into it. I was like, oh, this will you know be like an extra on idea, and that was, I think, a movie that could stand on its own, like. It's a kind of fascinating documentary about Brad Bird and the the problems that he had and and his crew, he was very generous with the crew, had to overcome to get this out, the obstacles they had, the mistakes that the studio and the the crew made, uh, which kind of ultimately uh, led to this film uh, not succeeding to the extent commercially that was possible yeah uh and i it's it's hard for me to express like actually like because i I came back into work like i loved it (laughs) i mean i really really liked uh that documentary so much i was like if anybody sees this documentary the first thing you're gonna want to do is watch the film yeah like it's almost like you can check and see if somebody has a heart if they watch this. Cause, <laughs> cause, and that might be why I'm thinking, like, no, nah, better than Toy Story 2. Because this uh, is, is just like, you know, the movie itself stands wonderfully, but this backstory is so almost parallel to the story. Yeah. Uh, that it, I mean, like, I don't know. This, this documentary, uh, when it comes out, I, I hope, 
uh, not just, I mean, it's so beyond just like an extra that I hope other people get to see it. People who are interested in animation, people who are interested in filmmaking. I mean, it's such an inspiring story. Yeah, that's something I think you were saying when we were talking after the panel. If they just put it up, put the giant stream up on Netflix as is, it could be a great marketing. Just like uh, the more people that see this, the better. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a Q&A afterwards with Brad Bird and some of the people who had worked on the movie. And one of the things you know, we're talking about, the, it's, it's an inspirational story. You got this movie made, uh, and it's you know sad that it didn't do well. Uh, to the point, a uh, little side thing, there's a, there's a moment in the movie when we've gotten so wrapped up in the story of them making this beautiful movie, and then it finally cuts to... <laughs> the first TV spot that they, that they cut. And it's so jarringly out of tone, yes. uh, with the, not only the documentary watching, but what we know the iron giant to be that is hilarious and also kind of infuriating. They, uh, it was a marketing, uh, puzzle that was not put together yeah. in the best possible light. Um, but one thing the, 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 <laughs> the movie gets into that I think we saw some of on, um, the panel uh, was the idea that this relatively new uh, Warner Brothers animation department, Iron Giant was only the second movie this department uh, made, um, essentially collected the outcasts from like Disney and DreamWorks. And so you had sort of, it was the idea of this like ragtag bunch of weirdos and misfits. And uh, you got the, the panel the, and Q&A afterwards was a lot of fun because you saw, you saw some of that. Cool. Uh, these guys were, I mean, it was, uh, is it, you know, it's like, Rocky, <laughs> like it was inspirational, right. yeah. and I mean, and this is just coming out of a very simple one-hour documentary that uh, just was unexpectedly, for me, unexpectedly moving. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. You know, I I, uh, I can be effusive, but I I'm really uh, th- this this was probably the thing at the whole convention that I saw that my expectations were. Well, I thought it would be good or whatever, but I, they were exceeded. It was, I was definitely exceeded. The panel was fantastic. I mean, like it was, it was very entertaining. And this, this is the kind of thing that I like going to conventions for. And I feel lucky to have gotten to see that. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I do want to share one story. Um, the secondhand story, one of the, one of the, uh, people on the panel told is not in the movie, but, uh, one of these guys told the story about how he got fired from Disney, which is that he, <laughs> was removed from any project he was working on, but still was technically working at Disney and had nothing to do. So he decided to just wear like a tuxedo to work and be the bathroom attendant. And he yeah. just started standing in the men's room until, <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> until an executive fired him for real. And that's how he, uh, that's he, how he got away from Disney. And that's how he got on the iron giant. Yes. So that's the talent that was behind the film. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's move on to Sunday. Now I know Sunday was a big day for you, but two of the three panels are TV. Yeah. So we're going to, uh, this is actually a crossover episode of Battleship Pretension. We're going to talk about the TV stuff on Hey Watch This this week, the same same group of, uh, of fellas here. So um, check out Hey Watch This if you want to hear about the TV stuff at WonderCon. What about, uh, what did you guys do on Sunday, non-TV-wise? Slept. <laughs> <laughs> did you, did I, you come out on Sunday? I did not. Well, you know, Sunday is the least popular day uh, for, but it was pretty packed on Sunday. But um, I like to call this Sunday the $18 day because the other days, the one day passes were $30. Uh-huh. It was like Sunday is the, you know, it, it was on Easter. So, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But they gave us, uh, and I'd never done this before, 
and I had to prepare and be on three panels in a row. Oof. Uh, so it was three hours, three hours and change of, uh, but it wasn't all me. And, right. uh, but the last panel was on, uh, Golden Harvest, uh, films that, uh, we've been releasing onto DVD and about, we've got seven of them out so far. And these are Hong Kong, we're specializing, kind of zooming in on Hong Kong films from the 90s, which was a real interesting time in Hong Kong film history. And the the films, which at the time among like cult cinema fans were very highly regarded, uh, you know, like 15, well, 20 years later, they've kind of fallen off the radar and we're trying to uh, raise awareness of them again. And so we the we did about an hour on sort of the history of Hong Kong filmmaking, its importance to uh, cinema history in general, its influences, and uh, what it was like to work on these films because it was it's very very different. There's a different sensibility and a different working environment than films in the U.S. and China today. It was sort of this this kind of moment, and uh, but and when you see, even because we showed a lot of clips rather than trailers, yeah. Yeah. When you see these clips, they are. Uh, what's kind of interesting is, if you had never seen them before, you'd be like, "Yeah, I've seen that before," because they're so influential in mm-hmm. film that uh, the the revolutionary nature of them is not as apparent until you realize, oh, they're doing this like Matrix style, like crazy uh, choreography, but like you know, five years, six years yeah. before. Uh, and so to an American audience, right, like 1999 rolls around and The Matrix comes out, people are like, what? Yeah. Right? Like that was just so different than anything they'd seen. But if you were familiar with Hong Kong movies, you'd be like, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and that's what we kind of talked about in yeah, the and panel. Yeah, it was, it was a great um, – it, w- it was you in, in DW. Yeah. And um, not, not Darkwing Duck. Um, I was going to say and, Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> well, we work with uh, and, uh, a guy, Jeff, who uh, he is a Hong Kong film fanatic from way back. And he used to even go to China. He worked um, – and he didn't say this at the panel, but he worked for Giant Robot at the time. Like oh, he would okay. write for Giant Robot and he would go – I, I'd actually done this a few times myself, but not to the extent that Jeff did it. But he would go to Garfield, uh, the Garfield Theater in Monterey Park, and actually see like the Hong Kong movies that they would like ship prints over here yeah. for the Chinese, uh, mostly Cantonese speaking audience. And they'd have English subtitles and yeah. they'd sell squid jerky and things like that, which was <laughs> awesome. Um, but they'd usually show a comedy and then an action film. And so uh, if you were lucky enough to go see these, you'd. You know, it was so interesting. I, I saw one comedy in in that, and I tried uh-huh. to kind of talk about this on the panel. But like, everybody would be laughing at these jokes, and I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm reading the English, but it's like so over my head. And I, of course, am laughing when nobody is laughing. <laughs> uh, but me, so I just stuffed my mouth full of squid jerky. It was a dollar, uh, so I couldn't get enough of it. But but that's uh, been a lot of fun to. Uh, try to get more people familiar with these films and so we tried to approach it in like an entertainingly academic way and why you should check these things out but the the panel when you say academic and it was um this is the uh, exception to my rule about movie panels at conventions um <laughs> but it was 
it, it was academic and you had experts without it ever getting dry because they yeah. were interesting people and you filled it with so many great clips. Yeah, pulling clips is, is, is so much fun, especially when you have material that, because we started by showing uh, Enter the Dragon, which a lot of people know, and then some Jackie Chan, and I purposely showed American, like, like I mean a clip, but also an American, a New Line trailer, because New Line tried to introduce Jackie Chan to an American audience, and they were like, how do we do this? Well, they cut a lot of the movie down. <laughs> Oops. Um, and, you know, they, I mean, they, Jackie Chan became a star, mm-hmm. right? But It worked out. And then, uh, and then we moved on to these other films like The Blade from 1995, which is about a one-armed swordsman, and he has a, uh, his, his stump, has a chain on it with the sword blade at the end that he whips around. Oh, jeez. It's like, and we showed part of the climactic battle. We showed this stick fight sequence, which is got these uh, with Sammo Hung and pe- uh, Pedicab Driver, which is uh, just like sort of a ballet with sticks and yeah. beatings. These were the, those are, you named the two, my two favorite clips right there. The Pedicab Driver stick fight and that the thing in the blade, which is, that it's it's that action movie thing of like, do they have to be fighting right next to all this wall of bamboo that they keep on cutting down? Yes. Like, does it have to be? Yes, there? they do. <laughs> it does have to be there because you got to have bamboo sticks falling on everybody. <laughs> and the, the fight continues on for another five minutes, and it just—I mean, it, that, that's nuts. And then we tried to show some of the strange genre. The well, it's not strange, but these uh, ones that do not conventionally fit into American genres. Because uh, they're sort of all kind of mushed together. One is uh, Terracotta Warrior, which is like one hour of it is like a historic Chinese film about uh, the emperor, the first emperor's warrior who falls in love with the, the emperor's concubine. And then they punish her by burning her alive and making him into a Terracotta Warrior. 1930. Now, this is like halfway oh, into the film. Uh, her... Uh, uh, she's reincarnated and she's filming something in mainland China and she and the film crew stumble upon the what's now but not not, not famous 1930 the terracotta warriors and he suddenly comes like awake and it's like a fish out of water comedy where he's <laughs> fighting Chinese gangsters uh, and, and then it flashes forward to the present day. I mean, that, that, and so it's like a romance, like crocodile and Dundee. The other thing that's novel about that one is that it stars Zhang Yimou, uh-huh. the, the director. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's, it, it, there's like, there's so many layers to these films. It's hard to, uh, it's hard to unpack them, uh, without taking forever and ever. I mean, we, we took, we talked about like maybe only about like four or five films in like an hour. Yeah, and we fi- we filled it up. Uh, the other one I just want to mention really quick, which because it's it, it's the one that kind of fascinates me the most out of the ones we showed is he's a woman, she's a man, which is like a Victor Victoria but with yeah. Chinese pop stars. And for the mid '90s, it's very progressive and weird because um, it 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 takes it. It, in a family film kind of way, takes the Victor Victoria concept about as far as you could go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, did anybody else have anything you wanted to uh, talk about before we uh, move over to hey, hey, watch this and talk about TV? 
No. No? All right. So Woo! you can find us at BattleshipRetention.com. That's always where you can find the second, essentially the second uh, part, the addendum to this episode, which is will be over on Hey, Watch This. Um, Terrence, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at Lenoir Tour, L-E-N-O-I-R-A-U-T-E-U-R. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my website is LenoirTour.com, and you can find me at AwardCircuit.com. And Matt? You can find me personally at uh, at MR. M-A-T-T-P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Matt Patterson. Okay. Uh, Thanks, you guys, for being here. And listeners, if you want to hear more about WonderCon, uh, head over to Hey Watch This. All right. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 